This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let me get to the panel this evening. Brightest panel in Hamilton Radio reassembled. And I think this is uh, Veteran 1 and Veteran 1A <laughs> on the panel. The people we love to have here because they always do an exceptional job right next to me uh, on the left speaker of your radio this evening. Scott Urquhart of irkedfreelance.com, formerly of CHCH. That's where you probably know him best. Scott, yep. thanks for coming in. No, I'd love to. Thanks very much. And next to him, looking resplendent in a, r- a red shirt and a black suit and the uh, Hamilton's greatest hair, uh, Mike Fortune from Cable 14. Mike, thanks for doing this. God dressed up just for YouTube, my, e- my even the red, Even the matching red puff. This is... Uh, Scott is I, reasonably well-dressed compared to you. I feel under-coiffed and underdressed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am just a mess compared to we're, we're going in descending order around the table, not only in hair quality, but in, uh, in clothing quality this evening. You're too kind, too kind. I think my, part of it might have been the fact that I, I, I had to do something today that I hate doing. I do it very as seldom as I can, which is usually about once every year and a half, which is about a third as often as I should. And it throws me for the rest of the day. That is, I went to the dentist today and mm. had a, um, a uh, what do you call it? dental hygienist. Like a cleaning. Yeah. Yeah, the f- but. The scalping and the. Ugh. Exactly. Here's what I do not understand about dental hygienists. And love you if you're a dental hygienist. But they take these really, really sharp, pokey metal objects and crank them into your gums. And then, looking shocked, say. You're bleeding. You're not. Must not be doing well. You just <laughs> stuck a knife into my flesh, and you're surprised that I. I mean, do you do you bleed when they poke you with those things? No, because I floss daily, Scott. You don't. You don't I listen to my dentist. Your gums never I bleed do it, when they do that. They, my dentist is very proud of me. So wow. no, they don't because I've toughened them up. Wow, you must have floss. Cal- cal- up. Gum calluses. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I but I it it can hurt. I'm not disagreeing with that. But oh, they ain't man. bleeding afterwards. Scott, do you? Oh ever, yeah, I, yeah, I, see? yeah. I believe they stuck pig. Yes, it is. Uh, those things are. It's no fun. It's they, not fun. And here's you know here's one other thing I thought today. And I don't want to get into this because this may be uh, a bed of hot coals that we would walk upon to ask this question even. Mm-hmm. But we hear all the time that we need to diversify and have more female firefighters and we need more female police officers and we need more females in this job and that job. I have never met one male dental hygienist. (laughs) Why is there no outcry that there are no male dental hygienists? Surely this There has to be one out there. Somewhere. Well, there's one (laughs) male midwife in Hamilton. I know that. I think he's the only one in Canada and I can't pronounce his last name. It's it's an unusual last name as I recall, but where, surely, if it is sexist that we don't have enough females in certain positions, it must be, therefore, sexist that we don't have females prying and poking and bleeding our gums. You should start Are a you petition. Are going to sponsor a rally to uh, end I may. this huge <laughs> discrimination? I think so. We may have front to have, City Hall. In front of City Hall, we're going to have the end the gum bleeding discrimination. <laughs> yes, I think we should. And I, that said, considering that you know, the lovely, and they always are, the lovely women who bleed my teeth like a medieval barber. <laughs> I can't imagine what a guy would do because, you know, we tend to be a little... Um, rougher? A l- little rougher, a little less finesse. I mean, he'd probably just, you know, who knows what a guy dental hygienist would do to your gums. You'd walk out missing teeth. Yeah, you'd probably feel like you had five pool noodles in your mouth, oh. too, you know? <laughs> you think he's going to put his whole hand <laughs> in there? Your fingers are bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um. Oh boy! I just, I just thought of that today. I've never met a male dental hygienist. If one is out there, if you know someone who is a male dental hygienist, just for my own peace of mind, 
Radley at 900CHML.com. Tell me that there is one out there. I don't know that there is such a thing. Be tough to find. And I think we should maybe apologize to our viewers right off the hop because as I'm looking at you and I'm looking at Scott, I know where your eyes are really looking as we're all talking because I'm watching the reflection. We're all wa- we all got the hockey game hey. on. Let, let's be honest. We have yeah. the game on in here as well, guys. I have said every night this week that the Leafs have been on. I get it. I understand. Yeah. So put your TV on the Leaf game. And have us tuned up for and the volume. And have the radio on for the volume. And if you're not near your TV... Stay here because if anything happens, every time we'll someone scores, updates. and because it's the panel as opposed to nothing personal, guys, but as opposed no. to a guest. You know, when I had a couple of guests on this week, it would have been incredibly rude in the middle of one of their sentences <laughs> to go, shut up, Leafs! <laughs> but, Feel but free to interrupt. Tonight, Luke, see if you can and find yourself some uh, sound effect that you can interrupt us if uh, something happens and just get a <laughs> siren or something to come in as soon as the Leafs score and, and we'll pro- stop whatever we're doing. Or Washington. Whoever scores, you throw the siren on here and we'll uh, we'll stop what we're doing. And so. props to Luke back there sporting the Leafs jersey. That's awesome. Le- Love it. Luke Looking has, good. Luke has been sporting a Leaf jersey every game of the playoffs so far, I believe. And he said he had an, a Leaf shirt underneath the, the other time, still today. And blue socks, I think, and yeah. I, I've not asked oh. about the underwear, and I don't want to know. He's about starting the to lift up articles of clothing now, and I see he's got the playoff beard going. So, you know, for here's a thought: you know, if the Leafs actually do well in these playoffs, Luke's getting married in later this summer. Yeah, I'm thinking for a wedding gift, a leaf tattoo. Beautiful, love it. <laughs> Surprise his fiance with a big blue maple leaf right on his butt cheek. Nice. <laughs> that would be a, how you doing, wifey? Imagine if they did win it this year. What's more important to Luke at this year? The Leafs winning the cup after so many years or getting married. That's Luke, Luke, when man, is, oh man. Remind me, Luke, when is the wedding? September 30th. Oh, September. So we got. you're not going to like have to he choose between a Stanley no, Cup parade okay. or the, down no. the parade down the aisle. He no, will never forget <laughs> the year he was married, though, if the Leafs do win. But I'll tell you what. I'll go up there and, and make a speech at my wedding and say this is the second greatest thing that's happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> nice guy. Yes. Yes, that would. Um, oh, man. And, that, uh, and how do you, uh, where would the divorce come then in your list of greatest things that would have happened to you in that year? That would be, a, that would be the shortest wedding maybe on record. That, that could be a, a new record. Um, <laughs> you know what? We've got a lot of stuff I want to get to, but because I don't want to cut it real short before we have to go to our first break here, let's take our first break, and we are going to come back right after this with the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. Stay with us. Back after this. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. And guys, there is there has been a lot of talk this week, and I don't quite understand, maybe one of you can, because I'm not historically not at all in fact i'm not a stoner so the whole f- april 20 the 420 thing is not real i don't but anyway ap- april 20 is a big day for the stoners and for the potheads mm-hmm. and so there's been a lot of talk this week about canada and the marijuana law they're going to bring in and legalizing and recreational marijuana and all that kind of stuff what leaving aside what they will do well scott i'll go to you first what should canada do as far as a marijuana law and the reason i ask is You have people who want it legalized entirely. You have doctors saying, people who are under 25, this can be severely detrimental to their health, but they're going to be legal to have it. What what is the right answer? Or or should they just say, we shouldn't legalize it? I don't know if there there is a right answer. I don't. um, What would you do, though? Well, I don't know how much study they've put into it, but first thing I do is go to all the jurisdictions where it's already legal and see what some of the 
problems have been, some of the things that have come up, as well as some of the things that have come out that are, are beneficial and weren't known before. I, I think if, if this is done without homework across the world, like um, in the in uh, the Netherlands, for example, or in Colorado, where it's been legal for a couple, a couple of years, of years yeah, yeah. Uh, places like that, really, I think we really need to do some research and get a good grip on what the uh, positives and negatives are going to be of legalizing this. And I'm all for, um, if they're going to do it and they're going to sell it, I'm all for setting up a system like um, an LCBO system or, or something along that ilk so that it is controlled as to who can buy where. Pot dispensaries on every corner uh, I don't think are the way to go. I'm not a fan of this at all, to be honest with you. And I love, actually, your suggestion because this is going to be taking effect, I think, this year at some point? Well, they're talking about next year for next Canada year? Okay. And, and, so are you yeah. going to have enough information to do the research that you suggested, Scott? You know, go to Colorado, send some people out there for six months and get as much information. But I don't think this is proper. I don't think this is right. What I, Where I do approve of, of marijuana is if it, for the medicinal purposes. If you are truly, truly suffering and if this is the only way that you can get some sort of relief and it's a prescribed prescription from a doctor, that I agree with. But just to be, o- be able to open up a, a little corner store or, or put it, you know, you go to the LCBO and you pick up your bottle of wine and a, and a dime bag or something like that, I don't approve with that. I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever at this point because I think it's only going to continue to, to make the black market worse because they're going to tax the yin-yang out of this stuff where people can't afford it anyway, so they'll just keep going to their dealer or beyond. And um, I, I don't agree with it at all. Medicinal purposes only if you are in severe pain and truly, truly require it. Well, up to this point, the medicinal uh, issues, uh, it's been open to abuse. I mean, almost anybody that, that uh, is interested in smoking pot mm-hmm. can find somebody that's going to write them a prescription. Of yeah, course. Dr. So, Cheech or Dr. Chong yeah, Dr. can Chong, usually uh, yeah. 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 Come yeah. Please help me. <laughs> But, yeah, I, I think that that whole system maybe needs to be tightened up. But there's no doubt that there's there's enough research available now to, to say with some certainty that there are medical benefits. Agreed. And so I, I don't think we should say, no, this is not going to happen at all. Interestingly enough, I think Canada uh, is one of the largest consumers per capita mm-hmm. of marijuana in the world. Let me read you the first few paragraphs here from an article in the Globe and Mail that was this week. And this is this is the reason I'm asking this question, because I think in these first couple paragraphs, this really illuminates the issue here. It's great to say, yeah, let's be free. Let's have libertarianism. Everyone can do whatever they want. And, you know, so be it. As Justin Trudeau's, this is the, the article. As Justin Trudeau's liberal government tables its long-awaited marijuana legislation, Canada's doctors have a message about pot. Just because it will eventually be legal doesn't mean it's safe. The Canadian Medical Association, the Canadian Psychiatric Association, the Canadian Pediatric Society, and other organizations representing frontline healthcare providers have been busy broadcasting their concerns about the ill effects of cannabis, especially for chronic smokers under the age of 25. Quote, We're saying please keep the public health focus front of mind as this legislation is unrolled, said Gail Beck, clinical director of youth psychiatry at the Royal, a psychiatric hospital in Ottawa. Lots of people think this is harmless. And what they're saying is, and what we've talked on this show before, there are numerous studies now and doctors and experts saying, if you're 35 or 40 or 45 and you want to smoke pot, 
whatever, your choice. Or if you are younger and you, as you say, have some sort of chronic health situation or you're, you have cancer and you're trying to ease your pain, fine. But people under 25, when their brains are not fully developed, marijuana can have a seriously detrimental effect to them, can cause medical conditions, psychiatric conditions, depression, schizophrenia. I mean, all these different things they're talking about. And it doesn't sound like that's being factored in at all. It's just, ah, here you go, do what you want. Well, I did go, interestingly enough, I, I did go to one of uh, Canada's soon-to-be-licensed pot producers uh, up near Collingwood and toured that facility uh, when I was with CHCH. And to my view, one, one thing that we're not thinking about is we just say it's pot, it's all pot. But there are literally hundreds of strains mm-hmm. of medical marijuana and the chemical balances in each of them are completely different. And we've so, heard this many times yeah. that people say, you know, the pot that people who are the baby boomers were smoking in the 60s was yeah. bears no resemblance to, to what's the pot that people today, are smoking yeah. now. But even even um, the the active ingredients in, in the marijuana itself, the THC is supposedly what gets you high. Um, there's another ingredient that has nothing to do with getting you high, but has uh, strong medicinal benefits. So uh, it really depends on the mix and the strain and what's going on there. And I don't think we can just say, okay, it's all bad. You know, it's all the same. It's all bad because, as I say, there are literally hundreds of different combinations uh, of, of pot out there. And I, I think that's uh, part of the research we need to do. What works, what doesn't, uh, what's the, the balance, what's, you know, the, the formula you need to, to provide benefit and not harm people. So let me just ask, if there are hundreds of different types of pot, does that mean there's hundreds of different types of chemicals? Did you learn that when you were doing your piece No, I, I, it is it is a fairly complicated, uh, you know, uh, sort of... Chemistry answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, to use the same example, since we're talking about things like this, I had someone on here a while ago from a microbrewery, and they're saying, you know, hops all have a slightly different taste or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you can tinker with the ingredients and make mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. different. I mean, if for beer, it would be the same thing. You can make different yeah. beers based on slightly different tweaks. It's all still beer. But see, and so the reason I was asking is because, you know, you, what you alluded to, it's different nowadays than it was back in in the 60s and 70s when I would think that was probably a little more natural if you will and now all of a sudden we're just we're hammering our systems with chemicals and as we know everyone's body is different again I'm no medical expert folks just so everyone knows I don't have an MD after my name but you can't be pumping your body full of different chemicals and then expect everything to be fine and I think people have to value their bodies a lot more it's the only one you have been given we we talk about how bad smoke Smoking is for you. Okay, I understand there's lots of chemicals in that too. And we want people to, because we're pushing every way, everyone away from smoking. Don't smoke, it's bad for you. Yet mar- smoking marijuana, let's face it, it's the same type of, you know, you got it in your fingers, you're bringing it to your mouth, you're inhaling, you're exhaling. Like it's just going to lead to other problems. And let's face it, when you're having a joint, you're probably having a shot, you're probably having a beer as well. Like I think it just will escalate and get worse and worse and worse. And then the policing of it is going to be that much more dramatic. And people have to be a lot more careful when they're on the roads. I don't agree with any of this. No, there's, there's, I, I believe that there will be many people if, assuming it becomes legal, there will be many people who will do it and handle it responsibly. 
All right? I, no one, it's like alcohol. It's like but a what liquor is, store. What is responsibly? Well, but having saying, one a day or having 12 a day? No, but I'm saying if you were, if you go to the liquor store, there are people who have, who can buy a bottle of something and can drink responsibly and can do it in moderation and can, that, that's fine. And we don't say we shouldn't have liquor stores, but the problem is we also, there's a lot of science that is raising concerns that marijuana, despite the fact that so many people are saying, oh, you guys are... Your old farts, you, you know, you're saying it's it's serious. It's just, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. There's a lot of new science, if you read, that is raising a lot of questions about the effects of this, especially on people who are, they're adults. But that brush is too wide, Scott. That, that's what, what I was trying to say. Uh, they're saying marijuana, blanket. And as I, I was trying to explain, it's not all one type of marijuana. There are literally hundreds of different kinds of marijuana. But do you and not... Mike, you're saying, you know, you go home, you have a drink, you have a beer or a joint. It, it's not like that either. Often there's there's pill forms, there's food forms, there's yeah. all kinds of different forms in which it can be taken. Mm-hmm. Agreed, and, yes. And uh, I, I think it really does depend on the chemical composition. But do you not think that a lot of people who are, are especially younger people, again, because you're doing things that you know, maybe we are a little stupid or sometimes are going to walk into the pot dispensary place. And what's the first thing they're going to ask? Yeah. How strong is it? What's your strongest pot? That's yeah. the one I want. Don't yeah. give me the weak stuff. What's the stuff that's going that, to really That's where the regulation and, and sale of it comes in uh, to play. I think that's, uh, that's one of the things you have to be very, very careful of, of who's buying it, why, and, uh, you know, what sorts of uh, types of marijuana are being sold. I think that all has to be taken into account. And let's think about the these, let's call them vendors for a better sake, the guys behind the cash or the women behind the cash punching these guys out. Are they really going to care? Are they going to be full medical experts on this is what you should take based on your age, size, and height or ethnic diversity? No, they're just going to want to start pumping this stuff out. Like they're not medically trained I think professionals they'll either. They'll be the same as the, the folks at the liquor store. They'll ask for your ID to make sure you're 18 or 19 and then, and then, you know, whatever happens after that, what you do with it is your choice, as long as you're old enough. But again, my issue with this is not, my issue with this is my concerns are not with the people who are 35 or 40 or 50 or 80 or, or ill. Mm. All the science, and again, I'm not, don't take my word for it. Go online, look it up. All the science is saying People who are under 25 years old are at risk of, of d- damaging and twisting and ruining their brain mm-hmm. by smoking this stuff. Whether, even with what you're saying, Scott, even if it's different strains, mm-hmm. this affects your brain. And so th- from the time you would legally be allowed to get it now, that's still a seven-year stretch. stretch of you can have this and you're still damaging yourself. What other thing do we give people? And now you can argue alcohol. Pharmaceuticals. We've got a, a but there's a but there's but we don't sell any pharmaceuticals now, specifically recreationally. People use them recreationally, but we you can't go to the the uh, drugstore and say I want some oxycontin for my party tonight. No, but they're often they're often prescribed in doses and and varieties that are may not be appropriate, and they're dispensed when perhaps the time is past that the patient actually still needs to take this medication. But, I mean, look at your own parents. You go home, or, or my in-laws in this case, uh, they've got several different kinds of, of pills in their covers. They don't even know what they are, half of them. And yet they keep renewing the prescriptions. And that that's a North American-wide problem, over-prescription of pharmaceutical drugs. And yet we just shrug that off as no big deal. And but so I, to take – sorry, but because I want to stay on that because – all you're hearing and seeing on television and radio ads right now is, are these PSAs. 
that's a great looking sweater. Where'd you get it? I got it from my mom. That's a great looking uh, bike. Where'd you get it? I got it from my mom. Oh, look what I got. I got these drugs. Where'd you get them from? So they're telling you that prescription drugs should be kept locked away. Don't do anything with that stuff. Yet here are we. Here we are saying smoke up marijuana, eat a eat a marijuana brownie, take it in pill form, whatever you want. So because whether it's something out of a, a prescription, it's going to alter your mindset, or whether you buy something from the liquor store, it's going to alter your mindset. So which way does the government want to go on this with PSAs or to sell the stuff? You should just make it a free for all. Well, of a sudden, no. I, again, my, my concern is that my my concern is with younger people, but my concern is I don't think the government that I've seen yet, I've seen no evidence that the government, the federal government, when they put these laws in place, are taking this kind of thing seriously. Because the answer that I've seen so far is, it'll the provinces can change and tweak it however they want, but. Our hands are clean. We're we're pulling the Pontius Pilate thing here. I mean, it's not us. If you're if you provinces screw it up, that's fine. But we're doing. Which, yeah, I found that I found that to be a questionable uh, cop out myself. And you know what'll happen if the federal government says marijuana is legal for adults, and the province says, oh no 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 no, you got to be twenty five. There is somebody taking that to court tomorrow, and it's going to be overruled. And if you're an adult, you should be able to have it. And that to me, again, now let's let's say. Just for fun, because I think they're probably right. Let's say all the scientists who are expressing concern about this are correct. And a certain percentage of the people who will be regular smokers of this are going to damage their brains. And some of them are going to have psychiatric or emotional or whatever other issues. Is it not the provinces who are on the hook for medical costs? Provinces then, so the, the federal government is going to bring in the taxes. They say they're going to disperse them to the province. But nonetheless, you're, you're, you're bringing in taxes, and now you've got a whole bunch of problems, though, that you've created. Mm-hmm. What also is problematic about the provinces each setting their own standards is that if standards are more lax in one province than they are in another, you know right away you've got trafficking happening between those provinces and and black market prices and a whole host of legal issues like that unless there's a nationwide standard i, I think we're we're begging for trouble uh, in the sale and distribution area agreed and l- look at what's going on with drinking and driving right now look at all the the number of people that are killed because of drinking and driving and everyone's saying you know uh, you know, ban this and ban that, and people should be thrown in jail for life. You imagine um, investigations start to come out because families were killed. Well, it's because he had too much marijuana in him. Again, I don't know how much is too much. I don't know how it works in your body. But if you start losing lives on the roadways because people are smoking up, aren't you just putting yourself into another situation with 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 alcohol? It's well, the same thing. I would trust. I, I would. I'm. <sighs> they have to have some kind of accurate roadside. There's a saliva test already that's going to be administered. And it so. better be accurate and it better be available across the country when they when they open the door up to this thing. But it, And that's fine, but you can't traffic every single... And I'm going to bring up the name Muzo. Look at that guy. Look what he did. He was hammered out of his gull and he took out a whole family. He got through the system how many times? Same thing's going to happen if you're smoking marijuana. Oh, I've only had a couple tokes or I've only had a couple brownies. The Whatever the case are gonna might do be. The people that are already doing it, Mike, and they're already out there driving. So, yeah. But it won't it come to the forefront even more now, potentially. And that's a great point, though, Scott, because I just read this today. Someone, I wish I could tell you who. I'm not trying to steal their thunder. It was a great point they made, and I apologize when you see it. I'm not taking credit for this. But they pointed out, the folks, because we had this 420 this week and people are out, token up everywhere. The people who are going to do this 
are breaking the law anyway. So it doesn't really, in one sense, matter what the Trudeau government does. Even if they say you have to be 25, I understand they're not going to follow that. But if you at least... the, the, The rush here seems to be, let's make sure that no one gets a criminal record for smoking marijuana. No, the real rush is the government wants to start putting money in their well, that's, pockets. That's, 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 that's the part, rush. That's, that's part A for sure. That is. But it's also, let's make sure no one gets a criminal record for smoking marijuana. But is it a horrible thing for someone to have a criminal record for doing something that is against the law? That's what I understand. You can, if you define the law and someone breaks the law, is, is, are we saying, well, that's a bad thing that you have a record? No. If, if the law is designed to help people and keep our society safe and organized and structured then if you break it, you should have a criminal record. I, I don't disagree with you there, but I, I think the, the issue has not been necessarily um, the criminal record, but the degree of, of punitive measures to, mm-hmm. you know, how serious is this? Is this 10 years worth? In the United States, it's very serious. Yep. You know, and some people feel that uh, the punishment does not fit the crime, and trying to find that balance is really the question. So one more thing before we go to the break. Mm-hmm. And follow me here for one second. We have seen in recent years football players suing the NFL and the CFL for concussions because they say they were put in a position where damage was done to them that people within the league should have known was being done, but they didn't do anything to stop it or to prevent it. And now they're saying, it wasn't my fault that I've got these brain injuries. It's the doctors, it's the team trainers, it's everyone else. Is it unrealistic to expect that 10 or 15 years down the road that some people are going to sue the country and say, you legalized marijuana, you essentially told me it was harmless, and you said it's a recreational drug like anything else, and now I have permanent brain damage because they may have been one of those people susceptible to it or underage. Are, would you be shocked if that happened? Not at all. I think it's going to happen, and I'm not surprised because we already have people launching lawsuits about alcohol and how it was made available to them and how gambling, gambling, uh, fast food, uh, a whole host of of other things that we can uh, buy and consume if we want to. So, no, definitely, this is going to happen. But it's no different than what's happening out there now with a number of other issues. And you've got to trust in your legal system Hmm. that they're going to make some intelligent decisions about where the boundaries are. You just said two things funny there. You've got to trust in the legal system that they'll make intelligent decisions. You know, and, and I don't know if that's possible at this point because I just think they're seeing flashing dollar signs and they're not doing um, our country and the citizens justice that they should be doing. I think they're going off. They're, they're opening up themselves to a big can of worms. That's very unfortunate. And you also mentioned fast food. Let's take a break because we're going to jump on the fast food bandwagon when we come back right after this on the Scott Radley Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Here in studio with the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio, Mike Fortune and Scott Urquhart. And Scott, right before the break, we've been talking about the marijuana law that's going to come into play, and you touched on fast food, which was really prescient, because I wanted to talk about this, because it's a similar kind of thing in one way, and it's this. Um... We've heard over the last number of ta- uh, last number of years that cities have tried to ban sugary drinks, have tried to try to help with the health situation. Find it odd, as Mike said, that we're going to legalize marijuana while we're trying to stop people from having pop. <laughs> However, that's that, that's a bit of a you know an oddity, but nonetheless. Uh, but now, now 
uh, stories are out and new studies are saying that, yeah, you know what? Sugary drinks are not good for you, but diet drinks, if you switch over to diet drinks, there is a preponderance of people who drink diet drinks every day who are having strokes. Mm -hmm. That diet drinks may be actually causing almost worse health Health crises. You may not have diabetes, but now you're having a stroke and you're coming back from that. So this ties into the last topic, I know, but should we be banning anything then? Should we just say, you know what? Whatever you want to do, you do, but... Well, I don't know if you can say but because we have health insurance here with OHIP. I was going to say, but you're on your own. But should should we be banning stuff or just saying you got to make your own decisions? Should we throw the doors open to everything? I, I guess well, it's... Yeah. No, no, go ahead. It's uh, <laughs> No, I don't think we should throw the doors out to everything. I think that's a little crazy. Um, but, you know... You, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to go with that. I got to get my head wrapped around it first because it's we're getting to a point where it's we're turning to this all or nothing society, it seems like. And that just it, it doesn't make sense. Everything. I've always been taught this throughout my whole life through my with my parents, everything in moderation, you know. Mm. So even if you are having a few drinks, have a couple drinks, not 17. Don't 17. go out and get polluted. Yeah. If you are if you do want to have the odd pop, have one, a, maybe one a week, maybe one a month. You know, just enjoy, get the taste. But these people, I there was a there was um, a guy I used to work with. He would drink a two liter thing of diet Pepsi every morning before nine a.m. Yeah, I, I knew someone like that as well. It might be the Crazy. same guy. Yeah. It might be the same guy. So no, I don't think you have to to say no to everything. I just there needs to be a lot more, and we talk about this at my office quite a bit. More common sense in the world. But there's clearly Scott not. We clearly don't have a lot of, we have a lot of people without common sense, okay, let's well, be honest. We're going, we're going into the, the question of what kind of a society do you want? Do you want a, a society that's more libertarian or do you want a society uh, in which government regulation plays a major role? And I mean, we could parse that all day and night if we wanted to. Uh, I know uh, a friend of mine, Ron Albertson, who you know. Yes, photographer, yeah. former photographer of The Spectator. Yeah, yeah. And he's, a, he's a very strong libertarian. He believes that we have individual responsibility. We should be taking care of ourselves. Uh, and we shouldn't be able to just say, oh, you know, society made me do this. Society made me. No, take some responsibility for what you do, what you, how you act, what you eat, whatever. And, you know, I think in many ways uh, over the last couple of decades, we have lost that sort of drive to take responsibility for our own actions. Have we lost it or have we had it taken away by the nanny state? Or is is that the same thing? I think it's the same thing. I think it's the same thing. Well, no, I don't know if it's the same because there are things that are taken away by the state by the, that say, we're doing what we know is best for you. And there's others where you say, I would like you to do this for me to bail me out. But it's funny. How do they know that's the best for us? How but that's they? what they would tell you. They're telling, they would tell you, look, Michael Bloomberg down in New York who tried to pass this anti-pop thing yeah. uh, some time ago. Well, we know this is better for you. So we're not going to let you have large size pops because that's bad for your health. That's, well... Okay, that's that's the nanny state at its epoch. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the perfect example of the nanny state saying we don't think you can be smart enough to look after yourself. And and should it be we don't think you're smart enough, or you know, uh, whether you're smart enough or not, you know, it's your own it's your own responsibility. You may not be smart enough to figure out that you know twenty pops a day aren't good for you, but hey, that's your hard luck if you can't figure that out. I had to go in for a. 
little thing in the hospital a while ago. I was in the uh, eMERGE. It was nothing serious. I mean, it was, uh, it turned out to be nothing at all, as a matter of fact. But I just wanted to get something checked out. And in the emergency area, if you've ever been in there in the triage area now, they, you're, you're sort of put onto a bed and there are pulled curtains around you. But yep. you can hear then everything. Oh, yeah. everything. So yeah. I'm trying, you know, when they're asking me, I'm like, okay, well, I've got this. Because, you know, I don't, I don't know who's in the next. I don't want them to hear everything yeah, about of course. me. But the lady across from me, hope she's well, but she was in there for something. And I could hear clear. I mean, I'm bored out of my mind. I'm listening to everybody. She basically was saying, well, I don't know. You know, she was having problems. She collapsed or something. And she was drinking like 16 gin and tonics or vodkas or something every day. Didn't realize this might be a problem. She was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day and she was on, she was taking drugs. And the doctor's like, well, you're also morbidly obese. You know, this isn't good for you. And she's like, well, you know, and I'm looking at this going, wait a second. Why am I in here? I try to look after myself and then you've got some, and, and that's her choice. But on the one hand you say, yeah, that's her choice. And I agree with you. I agree with Ron. I agree with you. Let's let people make their decisions and live with their decisions. And part of it is that, you know, people People are all different, and we all... Oh! We have the Washington Capitals opening the scoring this evening. Shortly after Alex Ovechkin, by the way, was taken off the ice injured with an injured knee after a uh, hip check from Nazem Kadri, uh, uh, Oshie has, appears to have scored for Washington. So late in the first period, it is now one nothing for the Washington Capitals. I don't know if they... It looks like they were on a power play yet, but... Um, yeah, there you go. One nothing, Washington, late in the first period. All right, back to your topic. Sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 no. Um, you know, people um, have have trouble sometimes making decisions, and uh, some people are strong, some people aren't strong. Some people are wise, some people aren't wise, and we all have our our different sort of uh, psychological makeup. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can you can regulate. To cover that spectrum, it's just too broad. But it, so it's not it's, the role of the government to protect the people from themselves. I, I think you're going to have a hard time doing that, even if you try. I think it, Be- there's a role of the government to put warnings in place to let people know this might not be good for you. Um, to give people options to know that you know there's a, there's healthier options as opposed to drinking a pop, have a water. Um, but at the end of the day, I do agree with Scott. You have to look after yourself. You have choices to make. You make the right choice, you're golden. You 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 make the wrong choice, and something happens to you. Hey, you got to pay the piper. There's, you can lead the horse to water. You know what I'm saying? There's even the choice not to take care of yourself. By all I means, I know someone who's uh, an intelligent person, very yep. intelligent person, needs medical care. Just nope, not gonna do it. And that's that's their decision, right? But see, here here's fine. where it's interesting, because if the government says you can't, we don't want you to be able to buy an extra large size pop because that's not good for you. By that logic of the government now making you look after yourself, should the government not also, going back to our very, what we talked about off the top, should the government not come and knock on your door every six months and say, the driver is here to take you to the dentist to make sure your teeth are looked after. And by the way, we're going to stop at the doctor on the way to get your physical done. Like why... Why would we say you, we're going to look after you here, but every other way in your life, we're going to let you just ruin yourself. The whole thing to me, it's, you're right. It's impossible to do it. And I don't know why governments try to meddle in it. Let people live their life. And if they screw it up, 
it's it's their fault. Yeah. Let let people. You can be great or you can be horrible, but it's you. As long as they're only screwing their own lives up. Fair yeah. enough. Fair and, enough. And, and when they're screwing up their own lives, honestly, then you, have to, then you have to think about the caregivers. Because now all of a sudden, people that do look after themselves that are healthy, well, now you, now you almost feel that because we're good human beings. Well, we got to go help so-and-so now. Well, and we should. I mean, that's, 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 mm-hmm. a, that's a good thing. But I, again, I, don't, I would hate to think that we're going to have more and more government intervention to continue to tell us how we should live. And if you like to drink pop, and that's your one vice, and you, they say, "Well, that, I'm sorry, that's that." I, the whole thing, and this this thing with the diet pop now. Don't drink anything; just drink water, but only purified water, not Flint water, not Flint not water, Flint, not yes, pure, no. distilled only. Or, yeah. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred CHML. As I said off the top, in studio with the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio for hour number two, to my immediate right, l- to your left on the radio, that would be Scott Urquhart from irkedfreelance.com. And next to him on your right-hand speaker, I think, I think this is how it works. Yeah, it works that way. Uh, Mike Fortune from Cable 14 and uh, two veterans of the panel. Love having you guys in here. Always do a great job. We could not do a panel this week, however, I hate to say this, um, because these are kind of some dirty words these days, some dirty oh, letters. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. We couldn't do a panel this week in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, without at least mentioning the ongoing endless fiasco that is the LRT. So here's my question. I, I, if in, in, in the waning hours, it seemed, because we're in the waning hours of this thing now, it appears, and I don't want to misquote him, but it appears that Councillor Terry Whitehead threw out a bit of a lifeline, unexpected lifeline, because he has been one of the critics of this, and said, hey, if we can figure out how to add those extra three kilometers that were lopped off and take it back out to the east end, the east gate, where it was supposed to be, so it's not a train that goes nowhere, I could probably flip my vote and be back on board with this, and this thing might be (laughs) saved. If that were to happen, if after all this discussion, after all this arguing, after all this time and effort and money and everything else, if we end up somehow finding the money to move the LRT extra three kilometers long and take it back to the original place where it was supposed to be and this thing passes, Scott, I'll go to you first. Is this a massive victory? Is this a horrible problem that we now have it? Or is this just indicative that we have wasted more time than is humanly comprehensible on this when we should have just done that in the first place? Well, I I think I've uh, previously on this show, I said I started out as an LRT uh, booster and, and supporter. I lost interest as they lopped chunks of uh, line off the rail, you know, the, the spur that went into the north end of the harbor front that's going to be, you know, newly developed, be a perfect place to have a, at least some sort of transit system. Uh, as they chopped off Eastgate, I thought, okay, Queenston Traffic Circle. The only thing that's at the Queenston Traffic Circle is a the Tim Queenston Hortons. Traffic Circle. Yeah, Tim Hortons, right? <laughs> yeah. And so the the drivers of the trains might appreciate that because they can run across. And get, but <laughs> LCBO. I don't know. I don't know that it's going to do a, the city a lot of good. So I really lost f- a lot of uh, support in my own mind for this for this project. And you know the the argument has been that uh, this is going to be the catalyst for future development and for uh, a, a line that's going to uh, expand and eventually become uh, north, south, east, west, uh, a full transit system. My problem with that argument is we can't afford 
to build what we're building now without government help. We're $300 million in the hole on infrastructure costs. Where on earth do you think we're going to get the money to expand this system? You mean, do you mean this extra three kilometers we're talking about or as a broader? As as a broader, broader, as a broader thing. Now, put the extra three kilometers back in. And yeah, I'm like Whitehead. I could say, all right, I, I could I could justify that because now we do have something that actually spans the city and, and touches, you know, the outside boundary of Stony Creek and the outside boundary of Dundas, but at least it goes across the city. Well, the other thing it does, at least, Mike, I'll jump to you a second, mm-hmm. is that it also, you not everybody is on the transit line to begin with. And if you're going to use it, some people are going to need to park their car somewhere. Yeah. And at least you would now have somewhere at each end where you could park your car and use the line as opposed to, again, the Queenston traffic circle. Where do you leave your car? On someone's front lawn? Do the people become like the people around Ivor Wynn? Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I'm just I was trying to think of what your original question was. Um, I've been following this very closely. I was down there on Wednesday. For the whole thing? No. (laughs) I was there for a good three hours, though. I was there in the beginning watching this, and I honestly thought the delegations were going quite smoothly, and they were actually going to get through this and actually make a vote. Were you there for the sing-along one? I was not there. I had just left previously before that. That's too bad. Somebody got up and saying, don't stop believing with their own words from Journey. to that was. I wish I would been there for there, but anyway, continue. What we don't know, and as much as we think we know, and as much as we think we read, and I said this on City Matters, we don't know all the politicking going on behind closed doors. We don't know all the little one-off conversations and Councillor Whitehead now wants to come out and maybe he's trying to protect his reputation. Who knows what his agenda is here? Trying to come out like the prince who's going to save all of this. I think that was pretty easily cut down by Mayor Eisenberger, I think in the paragraph right after that. And I could be wrong. Someone can get back to us. You can't look at LRT right now for for me or for you or for you. You have to look further into the future for LRT, for our children, for our grandchildren. That is where this is going to grow. This is how it's going to make our city better, create some sort of a legacy. Scott, I see exactly where you are coming from, and I can see how people have lost a lot of interest regarding LRT. However, the numbers have shown, the tax dollars have shown that if this is built, everything will work out jobs coming, tax dollars coming, the whole work. It's like when you purchase a house. You purchase a house, you build it, you get it up and running, and then you put an addition on, or then you change this. You don't worry about the operating costs of the house. You just you just build it, and then you grow from there. And I truly believe that wait, is wait, what wait, will wait, happen. When you build a house, you don't worry about any of the costs of what it's going to cost you. I don't worry about the day-to-day costs. I don't worry about the hydro or the water or the cable. I know it's going to be there, but I'm not going to... What about taxes? I'm not going to sit down and worry about every single penny. What about taxes? Taxes are taxes. You're going to have to pay them. Do you want to pay less? Of course. But if you're going to pay more, you're going to pay more. you got to figure out a way to do it. If you want your dream house... You have to be able to knuckle down and say, all right, I'll pay whatever the taxes are. Yeah, except you don't, if you if you have a budget, you don't build a dream house and then find out that you can't afford the You'd taxes. You'd be surprised at how year. many people do. Yeah, and well, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to another point you had. I'm not buying the argument, it's for the kids. To me, that is a specious uh, sort of argument that doesn't really carry a lot of water. Okay. It's an emotional appeal based not in fact or anything else. Yes, we build it. Uh, it'll be complete 10 years from now, and my kids will get to, to ride it maybe. What maybe about your grandkids? Kids. Are they going to be able to afford a car? Are they going to be able to afford insurance? To, it goes back to, okay, what are we going to do with this system? 
where are we going to find the money at uh, roughly $60 million per kilometer mm-hmm. to expand that system when the city is three hundred or $3 billion in, in, in arrears in and infrastructure growing. and, and growing. growing in infrastructure costs. You bring in we more people. We can't do it. It's a pipe dream. You bring, me, in, you bring in more people to live here, to purchase property here, to have jobs here. Um, they spend their money here in Hamilton. They don't want to go to Toronto. They want to do everything here locally. Let me read you something that was in the Toronto Star today. It's by Royce and James, the Toronto politics columnist. At the core, and this is talking about Toronto's transit discussions right now. At the core of current angst over the future of transit building in the GTA and environs is this. Past and current decisions suggest the projects we get do not deliver the benefits promised. The planners, the politicians, the public, all of us are swept along in a furious spending binge with no guarantees of the desired results. It's like now, spending is, on the Olympics. This is this is an interesting thing because honestly, it, it's very rare. Quite honestly, because the Toronto Star tends to be leaning towards more of a it's a it's a left wing paper. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. It's a liberal paper. This kind of flies in the face of what I would have expected to read in the Toronto Star. But they're saying you can spend all this money, but there's no guarantee you're going to get the things that are promised. Mm-hmm. And so, Mike, I I know this is what you've said has been said by a lot of people, and there's there's. A good argument to back it up that if you put this here, it's going to create development. You might have condos built up. You might have younger people who will, when they settle, they'll come downtown because they can be on this line. But if it does, if it ends, to me, if it ends at the Queenston traffic circle, I don't think that when you talk about Terry Whitehead and, you know, whether he's the prince to come in and say this, I don't think he's wrong to say, what does that do for us? What there, does that do? Look, there may be some validity. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> I'm getting cotton mouth. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Merit. To, to merit. Thank you. Phew, a lot easier to say to, to what he's saying. However, what person in their right mind, what smart business person in their right mind will say, no, I don't want a billion dollars. Thank you very much. Give it to someone else. Because we do know in an instant, and Keenan Loomis was quoted in saying this, he has talked to other people from other cities, that money is gone in 30 seconds. And we are still technically paying for it because it's our taxpayer money anyway. Who turns down $1 billion? Who? Would you turn it down? Would you turn it down? It's a billion-dollar dangle, though, Mike. I mean, they're saying, we're going to give you a billion dollars. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we get the billion dollars. What does it cost us in the long run to take that offer? It's like an offer from the Godfather. It's an offer you can't refuse, but you'll be paying for it for the rest of your life. Well, there's there- one other thing that I would answer to that question. If in your backyard, if, the, if your neighborhood association came to you and said, Mike, I want to give you $100,000, but mm-hmm. the, what you're going to get... Mm-hmm is I am going to build you a giant concrete block in your backyard. Now, it's $100,000, Mike. Why would you possibly? Because if you don't do it, your neighbor will. And you're saying, well, wait a second. Do I want, I know it's $100,000 and that's great, but do I want a giant concrete block in my backyard? Well, it's interesting you say that because now Kathleen Wynne has changed the verbiage ever so slightly. Did you hear about this? Mm. No, go. The after this big LRT meeting, a reporter asked Kathleen Wynne the the following day, so what, yesterday, Thursday, what's you know, are you surprised at what's going on with Hampton? And I'm ad libbing here, please go to the internet, you can watch her video. And she goes, I thought this was a done deal, I thought it was yes. And the reporter specifically asked, Is this money for LRT? Kathleen Wynne says this money is for transit. Ah. 
you, you've 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 changed the verbiage ever so slightly now, where it's going to be, discussion. and now it's a different discussion. So you're going to give me a hundred thousand dollars, I have to put a block, or you're going to give me a hundred thousand dollars, and to, I can put a pool, or, or to beautify my backyard. Right. That's very different. Very different, all of a sudden. And you know what? If they if there was a billion dollars to enhance transit in this city. It's every, a whole new ball game. Every, sing, every yeah. single councillor. It's a unanimous vote around the table. Absolutely. We'll well, sort no. Out, we'll, no, you would. You will sort out where the buses go and what the routes are and everything mm-hmm. after. But yeah, we're, we're in. We're in. For a billion dollars, the discussion lasts for about six minutes. It changes completely. So if that's, if that's the case, if she, and I'm not arguing, I'm not saying, yeah. but if that's what she said and she did not misspeak, like, and then that could have happened too. If she maybe or misremembered. Misspoke, or misremembered. Rogers Clemens. <laughs> yes. But if in fact that's the case, if this has changed a bit, because here's, here's one of the things that's really interesting about this whole thing with the provincial government. I know we're in a time crush to try and get this thing moving along. But it strikes me that the, with Kathleen Wynne's approval ratings, there is almost zero chance she is going to yank a billion dollars away from this city prior to an election. So we probably have a little, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but we may have a little more time than we think we do. And a do. little more leverage than we think we do. And a little more leverage to go back and say, you really, you, you, we have, a, how many seats do we have in the city? Four, five, whatever it is. You want to risk losing every one of those seats in Hamilton or not winning them in your situation? You can't afford to not. You can't afford to take money away. Yeah. You're going to be throwing money around like crazy, and you're going to be the Hamilton's the one place where you're going to say, I'm sorry, folks, you screwed it up. It's gone. I don't see that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see that. And if she has reworded this, did our, I mean, does our council, did our council hear that? Because that, again, that changes the discussion I, entirely. I was speaking correct. with uh, an anti LRT counselor this morning, and uh, that comment was brought up. And they they were like, yes, that changes the conversation ever so slightly. I'm not going to mention the counselor's name, but that does change the conversation. And clarification, uh, they said, was needed on that. For sure. So, again, what will happen this Wednesday at Council Chambers, live on Cable 14 at 5 o'clock? Um, who knows? It, but it, it, it could change things significantly yeah. moving forward. Yeah, I'll still have all kinds of reservations uh, about it, but if it goes... If they extend it back to the uh, uh, Eastgate Square, I'm more in favor of, of going ahead than I would be with just squeezing. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a tie hockey game. Austin, Ma- is it Austin Matthews, Luke? Austin Matthews, El Grande del Rookie, the greatest rookie in the history <laughs> of hockey anywhere on the planet. Put him in the Hall of Fame now. Already. Already, you know, Wayne Gretzky had his Hall of Fame uh, three-year waiting period waived. I think they should put him in now before <laughs> before he even starts his career, for all intents and purposes. One all, Austin Matthews has tied this game. It is now um, midway, almost getting into the midway point of the second period, and it is one-one, Toronto and Washington. There you go. That's a. So while we were watching that, I quickly went on to Twitter. I found the. The script version of the journalist having questions with Premier Kathleen Wynne. And the journalist says, if they build an LRT, then there was some inaudible billion dollars. Premier, so the money that is on the table for Hamilton, it's for building transit. It's for building transit. There has been a discussion in Hamilton, as you well know for years, about the rapid transit light rail. We want to build transit in Hamilton to improve. I really hope that we can come to an agreement and so on. It goes on and on. So 
what is she, mixed messaging there? Would oh, you not sure. agree after hearing that? Yeah, for sure. And that's the that's the written version of what she said. So where are we now? If that is the case, it, and again, I'm I'm hearing it for the first time, Mike. And and again, we have to, for the sake of what we're discussing right here, let's play along that she didn't misword it. That that's actually what she believes. Mayor Fred Eisenberger and frankly all the other 15 members of Hamilton City Council should be on some kind of bus to Queen's Park like now yeah. to say, wait a second, could we, can we please go over this again because it will be, that, that, that would change it significantly and I th- is dramatically too strong a word? No, I, I don't think it is. I mean that... If she's opened the door to not LRT transit improvements, if that's what she said, that changes things dramatically. Yeah, considerably, yeah, for sure. And I think there's, I don't, and again, I don't think, tell me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's a counselor out there who has argued against improving transit. No. The only thing they've argued is against this LRT. And that's that's what's been holding up a lot of the suburban counselors. They're going, well, I mean, we got no bus service. We, you know, you're doing nothing for our, our outlying regions. But this thing's going to run through the center of Hamilton and, uh, you know, we screw up traffic and take away business and yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, if that conversation turns to maybe, just maybe, there might be new bus lines going to Waterdown, Dundas, Stony Creek, Mountain, whatever. Yeah, that changes it completely. I and think. going to your question about, you know, the, the, the politics and, and governments changing and all that, another line here, it says, from, premier, from the Premier, it's for building... It's for building transit in Hamilton, and we're going to continue to work with the council. So she's just opened up. And a that whole was said Pandora's when? And then does it say what the this, date was? On this that? was uh, well. This would have been the council meeting was uh, the GIC meeting was on Wednesday. Yes. So this would have been on Thursday, the following hmm. day, the following morning. Yes. And there's the uh, yes, exactly. And there's also video video of it as well. So if you go to uh, yeah, I got you know what? If you go to at Joey Coleman. Give Joey Coleman some props. He actually go, has Joe. he has the video here of Premier Win. It's about a minute thirty eight, and you can see her talking with three gentlemen behind her. Well, if so, so as we go to break here, if this is the case, and again, I'm not disputing it because you've you've given us the quotes, but if this is the case and it's not a misspeak on the Premier's part, and this billion dollars goes away, if she is open to the idea of something different than LRT and the billion dollars goes away, then it's a colossal failure. Then it really would be. If there, if there was a way out of this where everybody could save face and everybody could get something they wanted, well, almost everybody, uh, because they're going to get what they wanted, but yeah. You know, uh, look, I, if, I know there are people who are life and death. It has to be the LRT. The LRT is the savior of everything. The LRT is the golden goose, all these kind of things. Uh, fine. But even those people... If you could bring in a billion dollars to improve transit throughout the entire city so that the people who are in Flamborough could get downtown, so the people who are in the East Mountain could get downtown, I find it hard to believe they would look at this as a new idea like this and say, oh, that's completely unacceptable. We only want the 11-kilometer LRT line. Maybe some people will, but I think people with a broader mind of what Mm -hmm. the city is would say, that's 
a pretty good thing. Yeah. By all means. Now, it's still, nobody has still raised my particular choice that I think we should be like Epcot and have a monorail. <laughs> I still want a monorail. <laughs> Failing that, That'd I want beautiful. Jason Farr's idea from a long time ago of cable cars up and down the mountain. So we're going Gondolas. from 60 million per Gondolas. kilometer to a billion a kilometer. At well, that you know, but, <laughs> but, you, but you know, they have rides. You get to stop at James and there will be like, it's a small world or something. It would be really exciting. It's all part of the package. Quick break. Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Mike Fortune, Scott Urquhart around the table here for this evening's brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. We haven't seen Dartman yet. Did MLSE fly him down to Washington? Do we know that for this game? Yeah, Leaf game is on. It's 1-1. I have not seen Dartman. I'm not not (laughs) sure if it's the fact that he's not there or if everyone's so sick of that guy by now (laughs) that we're looking for anybody else for him. I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy. Yeah, Yeah, why not? Here's the amazing thing to me about Dartman. How many times do we have someone like this pop up and become this cultural touchstone whatever and like 24 or 48 hours later there's a story that comes out that tells us something horrible about that person people are digging (laughs) it happens so often (laughs) doesn't it yeah this guy i think criminal record i've heard nothing about this guy like he sounds like he's just a good guy who's a big leaf fan and good for him but i'm telling you if you're going to who was the guy at the um at the presidential debate uh, down in the States. He wore the mm. red sweater with the mustache. Ken something. Don't remember oh, that one, yeah. Scotty. No. Uh, Ken, what is it? Your microphone's not. Well, Luke, just say it out loud because I can't hear your microphone. Ken, what's his last name? Ken Bone. Ken Bone. That's right. Ken Bone was the guy. And he was down in the States and everybody, he asked a question of one of the candidates. And then all of a sudden they started digging into Ken Bone and there was some stuff there and it was, you know, not all great. So I, I'd like to know in a couple of years... Will it replace that cigarette with a joint? <laughs> by next, yeah, by next, you know, uh, can, we talked about this already. By next Canada Day, which, by the way, not to get back to the joint well, thing, it does but, like leaf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to say one more thing, I, I meant to say this when we were talking about the marijuana uh, discussion before. We weren't going to get into this, but I'm going to be really ticked off. By the way, even leaving aside all the stuff, if the Trudeau government passes this on Canada Day, hmm. that's going to be. So ridiculous because now forever Canada Day is going to be the day where everyone, rather than being about Canada, it's going to be about everyone toking up and getting high. It's the completely wrong day to to pass something. It would completely send the wrong message for that. Anyway, we won't go into that today. We have heard in recent weeks some really unfortunate stories about airlines. We've seen videos of doctors being dragged off planes with bloody mouths, and we've heard about people heading to their wedding who have been bumped off planes, and we've heard all this other Ten stuff. Ten-year-old boy abandoned at an airport. Dog yes, put a, on a, a wrong dog. flight. <laughs> dog, yeah. yeah. There was a time, not that long ago, I mean, relatively speaking, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when flying was an upscale, upper class, and not everyone who did it was upper class, but you felt upper class. You kind of dressed up to go. It was a big deal to fly, and it was almost fun to fly. Do you enjoy flying these days, or is it a horror show when you have to do it? I hate it. But I, I think we are at the zenith. We've passed the zenith uh, of air travel, and I think we're at a stage where Something has to give. Either we have to find a new mode of transportation entirely that we haven't even thought of Like yet. Star Trek. Something, yeah. Beaming you into a new you know, dimension. Be- because airlines have nowhere to go but down from here. 
Well, the costs are so high to run one Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that if you actually were to run it and try and do it as a style, like the old Pan Am days where you had the stewardesses and, you know, know, the whole thing, the cost per ticket would be outrageous. Nobody could afford it. Well, I don't know. Not, Not necessarily. I think a lot has to be said for, like any business, customer service and the airlines that put in place the proper procedures, protocols, proper training, um, take that extra moment to polish up the wingtips or to make sure that the flight crew has the proper tie or the tie clip. I think that goes a long way. And as a as a consumer, we all work hard for our money. I don't mind paying a few extra bucks if I know that I'm going to get the service that I'm paying for and deserve. Now, I know sometimes you're probably taking a chance and Let's also phase it. These are situations that are being put out there more and more because of social media. I'm sure things like this have been going on for years in the past, but you can't instantly take a photo or a GIF or a Vine of it and send it off to the whole world as it's happening. So we're just being maybe more brought to light of this. But I think I'm like you, Scott. I, I don't like flying, but I know what I'm getting into if I'm going on my trip to Jamaica or Cuba, whatever the case might be. I just accept it and I mentally prepare myself. Yeah, it's not, it's not the flying go. I don't like. Well, it's, I just, it's the lead up to yeah, it. And yeah, yeah. End of March, just like recently, end of March, last week of March, I flew down to Mexico with my wife. And uh, on this flight, I think this is what made me finally decide that air travel has run its course. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on the plane and uh, on the way home, and I have to take a washroom break, and there's a, a washroom at the front of the plane, there's two at the back of the plane. I look back, and the stewardesses, or attendants, are coming down the, the aisle with uh, the drink cart, yep. the food cart. And the aisle is so narrow that the only room there is in that aisle is for the drink cart. The attendants have to have to follow behind it or lead it down the aisle because there's no room for them to stand beside it either. Mm-hmm. And as they're going down the aisle, they're bumping into passengers who are sitting in their seats all the way down. So I think, well, the back is out. I'm going to go to the front. So I go to the front, and now there are regulations, FDA regulations, that say that you cannot have people lining up at the front of the plane. One person at a time only can't, can't stand there. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm lucky enough. There's nobody there. I go up. I do my thing. I come out. And now I want to go back to my seat. Well, now the, the beverage cart has per, passed my seat, so I can't get back to it now. There's so you're breaking the regulations, but you can't do anything about I, it. Yeah, I'm standing there. And, and actually, uh, one of the uh, officers came out of the cabin at, and asked me, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I just came out of the washroom. And he said, well, you can't stand here. And I said, well, I can't get back to my seat. Well, he can't stand here. And so I had to sort of duck around the corner and sort of, you know, <laughs> crouch down in front of the people in the front row who were trying to watch the movie on a, a tiny little screen. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I'm sorry, I don't really want to be here, but there's nothing I can do. You know, it's, it's ridiculous when it comes to that. And that sounds like some very poor customer service right there. You know, it's the a, aircraft. A, they a, can't afford to do it otherwise. Yeah, and, and they should know that. And the, the flight attendant or whoever it was, you know, should have realized the situation and should have been a little more open-minded. You should got to take a page out of the fortune book. As soon as that bus picks us up from our resort, 
I'm off all liquids because I know I got three hours I'm waiting. I'm not taking a chance because I don't want to run into that, that situation. That problem. Although yeah. you want to know something, I thought and we're then way again, off. You're not sixty, so there, <laughs> well, there you go. True. Yeah, yeah, very true. See, we were just flying. I, well, I had to go down uh, for work. I had to go south, and there was only one bathroom on the entire plane. Now they didn't do any. It was a quick jump, so they didn't do any drink carts or anything. And I, I'm sorry if this is disturbing to people, but the first thing that came to mind because at one point I did have to use the washroom was. Geez, I hope no one on a plane ever has to do a number two. Because <laughs> if you're in there for any length of time and there's yeah, the yeah. only bathroom, yeah. you're holding that whole thing up. Like everyone who would be behind is waiting for you to be, you know, yeah. don't take a magazine in. No. Don't no. take your time nope. and have a luxurious time in the bathroom. But but you but, can't really have a luxurious time because those washrooms are also so tiny. cramped. Well, yeah. And here's the funny thing about it that I, you know, back in the day, when I was in high school, I did some volunteer work for summertime. I did a summer in Korea. I did a summer in Papua New Guinea, way over by wow. Australia. Long, long haul flights. And they were much bigger planes, of course. Mm-hmm. But I remember them being comfortable. Yeah. Now, maybe I was a little smaller, but I was still tall. That, maybe that's another problem. Being tall, I'm almost six foot five. Planes are not built for me. No. Um, but those long haul things, they were used to be pretty comfortable. Now, I can't get to Florida without thinking that I understand now what a cattle yeah. on a train feels like. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I, and we, we fly Southwest almost all the time now because it's inexpensive. Mike, you said you'll pay a little more. We're the other. We're like, you know what? Let's find the cheapest way to get. We don't want to spend all our money on I want to find the cheapest way, but I don't mind if I have to. So <laughs> No, no. And, but the way Southwest works, and anyone who's ever flown Southwest knows this, they don't have assigned seating. Right. Mm-hmm. You line up. You get a number, and you line up, and then you pick wherever. But That's right. Yeah. Here's the good part. If you get an early number, you can have your choice of the seat. But there's always, who, who travels in groups of three? Nobody yeah, travels no. in a, so there's two of you. Or there's four of you. There's always going to be someone who has to sit next to you. And I got to tell you, this may sound, I don't know. You've probably done this. So it may mm-hmm. sound mean. I know where you're going. But there's a seat between you. I, I Of course, I'm sitting mm-hmm. on the window. I chose the window this time. And someone else chose the aisle. The middle seat is sitting. And you're watching as the people are coming into the plane. And you're looking going, oh, you, okay, yes, you, you, <laughs> you next person. Oh, no, 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 please. No, 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 please. Yep. And then you see the person who's coming, and you just know they're going to be the one to sit. Be- you know they are going to be the one to sit down in the middle between you. And usually for me, uh, usually for me, they are... Like John Candy and they're planes, trains, and automobiles. Like John Candy, who has not bathed in three days there you go. and has a phlegm problem. Yeah. That is that is the guy who always sits be- in the middle beside me. And it's like, this this has taken the shine off of flying for me. Yeah. Forget the being dragged off a plane. Yeah. You know what? Nickel and dime for every ounce of... Uh, baggage you bring on board, uh, you know, anything. You know, I looked at that guy getting dragged off and yeah, that was not good customer service. It was a horrible thing for them. PR horrible wise. PR after. Horrible. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they handle it. But I'll tell you what, he is going to make a buttload of money in the lawsuit. And I'm sitting there going, if you want to drag me off a plane and I'm going to make $10 million. Buy your own plane. Drag away. Yeah. yeah. Please. Next time you need someone to drag, I'll take a bloody <laughs> mouth and be dragged off the plane. Please. I need the cash. I'm okay. I mean, he didn't get killed. He didn't no. get, you know, seriously injured as far as we know. I don't, I, I but, didn't hear, but. 
A- airlines, like I said earlier, they're like any other business. You're going to have your mistakes. You're going to have your hiccups. It's all on how, how you handle the PR, how you make up for it, how you apologize, and to ensure it never happens again. Again, like I said, I know what I'm getting into now when I get on a flight, and I, I, I hate travel day there, and I hate travel day back, but I've just mentally, I prepare you myself. You shouldn't hate it. That's the whole point. I think the mode of transportation is the problem, not customer service. The actual mode of transportation has run its course. It's too expensive to do now, and and, and for a business to earn profit, they have to cut it to the, to the point mm-hmm. where uh, their customers are not only inconvenienced, yeah. they're kind of put through a torturous day well, again, on the way down and the way back. And Scott, that's wrong. Let's, we've got to go to a break. But think mm-hmm. of the example. We're talking about flying with the no frills. If this was the equivalent of the Greyhound bus line, it would be taking a transport truck, taking all the stuff out of it and plopping you in the back of the bus or the truck and just saying, that's what we're going to do. That's how airlines have cut back yeah. that there is nothing. Anyway, I, you know what? I, you have, the problem is you have to get there. Yeah. How else are you going to go 4,000 miles over the ocean? Yeah, like, I, I know. There's, there's what, no other we way. We got to think of something we, you're, different. You're handcuffed. Well, you and, can, you know, blame, you blame the fuel prices too. Yeah, you, you can row. You can row. <laughs> create, <laughs> your own, quick, create your own boat. Quick break. Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. I must ask, my wife posted a photo on our family text yesterday, I believe it was, with this thing. I don't know how else to describe it. It's a thing. It was a unicorn frappuccino. Have you have you seen yeah. the unicorn frappuccino? It's a pink and turquoise and various other pastel color frappuccino thing from Starbucks. Starbucks? You you just got back from Mexico. You go down to Jamaica. Mm -hmm. Are you guys fancy drink guys or are you, do you like the the, the colorful fancy drink? Throw as much fruit and umbrellas and stuff (laughs) on there and colors or is it, give me something just normal. Give me my straight whiskey straight up or my cerveza, I'm fine. However, at night there's nothing wrong with a nice cigar and a Spanish coffee. That's as far as I go with fancy drinks. Nothing fruity. You don't nothing drink straight out of the coconut with the. Uh, yeah, I, I, I might go for a daiquiri. That's about as, as wild yeah. as it gets. You know. Do you ask them to put the garnishes on with the umbrellas well, the and umbrella the other stuff? No, I do that anyway. I think when I first started doing, you know, I, you have to try it and experience, but then you realize it's really not that big of a deal, and yeah. just stick to what you know your system can handle properly. If you haven't seen one of these unicorn frappuccinos, and I'm not trying to do a sales job for. Uh, Starbucks, because honestly, when I looked at this earlier in the show, we talked about whether stuff was going to kill you. <laughs> I'm Googling it right <laughs> there's, now. There's got to be. Ridiculous calorie count on this thing. I forget what it is. It, it, it can't be that good for you. I got. Wow. I bet it tastes delicious, but it can't be that good for you. I got to be honest with you, but it's. Um, it's pretty impressive looking, I got to say. <laughs> most it's a unicorn frappuccino isn't Starbucks most sugared filled drink though. So no, there you go. what no. is? Well, now you're going to put me the on sugar the spot bowl. here. Yeah. yeah, just a bowl of sugar. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right, it. with mixed with water. Nine, it has 59 grams of sugar and a 16 ounce grande, but I don't see what the. Uh, but several other frappuccinos already have more than that. So there you go. I have not. Uh, I have not, and I don't expect I'll be having a unicorn frappuccino. But let me ask you guys: Are you guys Starbucks goers, or are you like the true Canadian? Let's just go to Tim Hortons, get my double double or my black straight up. I'm a Keurig. I make it at home. You make it at home. Yeah, I can do Starbucks every now and again. Once yeah. in a, yeah, I'm the yeah. same way. Autumn time, give me my pumpkin spice latte once a year. I'm happy. I, I'm not that. I'm not that specific. Um, 
Starbucks to me always tastes slightly burnt, which I know a lot of people yeah. love that. Uh, that's not my favorite flavor. I know. I mean, obviously they're doing very well, but, but I'll just, I'll drink coffee. If I want a coffee, I'll have a coffee. It doesn't yeah. really, I'm not that picky about it as long as it's not swill. You got to try McDonald's <laughs> coffee. McDonald's, uh, McDonald's coffee is good. Yeah. Tim Hortons, I'm, I'm fine. There, there's something yeah. I don't like. I am always seeing the same people with the white Starbucks coffee. They just walk around a little differently. I think, I don't yeah. know. No, I'm the Will it's Rogers. It's like a status symbol. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it should have a hood ornament. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Every like, Starbucks coffee on, should man. have a little hood ornament on the top because <laughs> I'm very special. Oh yeah, I drink a yeah. Starbucks. Right. And, and the one of the funniest ones are the ones who carry the Starbucks that are the enormous, yeah. You know, same pale, with the Tim Hortons. Of Starbucks. Same with the Tim Hortons ones. Yeah. The Tim Hortons coffee cups that are like the length of a football are just no human bladder can hold that much fluid. <laughs> okay, Seinfeld, <laughs> you, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna injure yourself yeah. with a distended bladder by trying to drink that. And that the funny thing is, they're, they're carrying it around with them everywhere they go in the yeah, office. Yeah. What choice do you have? Yeah, exactly, you got to bring it with it all day. The Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred AM nine hundred CHML.